Hey, what's up? What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Slizzy, of the State of the New York Knicks podcast, episode 105. And today, I got a special guest in the building who was referred to me by Spencer Perlman um, at Above the Break 3 on Twitter, PD Web. What's up, brother? How you doing? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm all right. Um, you know, good afternoon. About to go visit my family. But I wanted to talk some basketball first, you know, talk some scouting. And obviously, you was one of the people that Spencer Perlman referred me to. And I looked up some of your work. I know you have a Patreon website as well. So I'm glad to talk to you today, brother. I'm glad. So I'm glad. What about you, man? Uh, I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Uh, shout out to Spencer for uh, for recommending me. Um, yeah, we got a we got an exciting situation here with these New York Knicks. Um, <laughs> the New York Knicks, my favorite team. So before we even get into the New York Knicks, um, I wanted you to you know greet yourself to the people. Um, how did you get into scouting and? Is the Knicks your favorite team? Uh, I, I, I wanted to know. I, I, I got to know these things. So I got into scouting um, sort of the back way uh, of, of working in basketball. Um, I've been doing uh, coaching and training for about five years now, and uh, I've played my whole life. Um, so I got into scouting just as a uh, an exercise of just always watching and, and talking with people and, you know, the continual – nature of high school and AAU and college um, and slowly turned it to something that I do almost full time now. Um, I grew up in California, um, but I would say that I've always had a small interest in the Knicks. Uh, being, uh, I've always been told that the league is better when the Knicks were good and just wanted the, the uh, league to be in the best place as possible. Uh, I would really like the Knicks to be good. I will fully admit that. <laughs> don't we all, man? I, I, I've been dying. Phil Jackson almost took all the energy out of me, and, and James Dolan saved me from that. So, <laughs> you know, we we all been dying, man. Past mm-hmm. 20 years has been hard, but, you know, we get to this point where you draft a guy like R.J. Barrett, who, you know, I first wanted to talk to you about because you're scouting and you're looking at the Knicks, you're looking at the roster. So obviously, this eighth pick gotta involve the fit with RJ Barrett. So I wanted to ask you, what's your overall take on RJ Barrett? Do you see him as a future superstar? And then part two of the question is, as far as this eighth pick is concerned, I view RJ Barrett as a future shooting guard because he's six seven. I like Jalen Brown. I like that shooting guard mold of a two way two way player. What do you think is R.J. Barrett's long-term position, and how does that tie into this year's pick? So I see R.J. as an off-ball wing, similar to Jalen Brown. Um, I think that the difference between Jalen and R.J. is how they're used. Um, Jalen's never really been asked to beat the guy and has been able to uh, work on, you know, catch and shoot, defending uh, multiple positions, and has never had to carry a huge usage, um, which has never really left him looking uh, out of his depth. 
uh, RJ, I don't necessarily see RJ as a superstar, but I do see RJ to be a starter on the next uh, New York Knicks team to make the playoffs. Um, mm-hmm. Expecting him to have the ball in his hands is always going to create some problems because he takes so much off the table in terms of shooting um, and a little bit in terms of creation. And this draft is actually a, uh, a sort of perfect fit for making a decision about the best way to guide RJ's development over the next like two or three years. All right. So when you, when you say stuff like that, and we about to get into your top three choices for the Knicks for this eighth pick, do you see RJ as a small forward? Do you see him as a shooting guard? Like what, if you was the GM of the Knicks, what position would you see him at? I think he can slide between the two or the three um, uh, on offense and on defense. I think the, the defensive versatility is what allows him to sort of bounce around. Um, he's strong enough that he can move up and guard some fours on occasion. Um, yeah. But figuring out the easiest way for him to get buckets on offense and then allowing him to sort of start to add uh, some versatility with the shooting, have him, you know, uh, have second side pick and rolls like these are the, the essential things for taking his game to that next step um, so that he can approach um, his best possible usage. All right. So now let's get right into it. This shit thing. Now the Knicks got the eighth pick in this NBA draft, right? So before I ask you about trading up, would you trade up or trade down? Your top three choices for the New York Knicks. Now, for me personally, when I look at the Knicks, I look at the Toronto Raptors, Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi. You look at the Boston Celtics, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. You look at the Brooklyn Nets, Kevin Durant, Karis LeVert. So I'm looking at a, a wing right now because I feel like taking Cole or Kara Lewis would be sort of like a leap at eight. And I feel like Tibbs and Cole would value a wing defender more. So for me personally, I like Devin Vassell, Isaac Okoro at eight, or Aaron Naismith. But enough about me. What is your top three choices for for the New York Knicks for the eight pick and why? So my top three would be Kyra Lewis, Devin Vassell, Mm -hmm. and Killian Hayes. Um... I think Kyra is uh, Kyra's young. He's a point guard. Uh, he's going to allow the pace to push. Um, he's a, a better shooter than he gets credit for. And he would put RJ into a position where RJ doesn't have to create every single possession, um, allowing him to work on more off-ball wing skills. Uh, second would be Devin Vassell. Um, Tibbs loves defense. Tibbs is going to play a, uh, a help side heavy wing defense scheme, and Devin Vassell is the best uh, off-ball defender in this whole class. Um, it's about as good of an off-ball defender as you're generally going to find uh, when it comes to evaluating the draft. And then Killian Hayes is sort of uh, an ideal secondary creator. Um, he may not be the perfect fit for RJ in terms of next year, but if you're building out a, a playoff team in three or four years and those are your two, three in terms of scoring options, then you're looking like a very good team and maybe missing that elite wing, but now you've got multiple options to create that are about 6'6", six, six, and you're building a sort of a stable of offensive options. 
All right, so I'm going to be objective here on all three real quick. Kara Lewis. I read up on Kara Lewis, been doing my homework on him. So I read that he was about 6'1", 6'2", 170 pounds or 165 pounds. And uh, for me, when I look at it, I don't know at the NBA level if Tibbs would start him out the gate because of just his size. He's just so small, and teams would attack him. Because I'm watching the playoffs, you watch guys like Jamal Murray, watch guys like Donovan Mitchell. Every team is trying to get the mismatch on their best offensive player. So for Nick fans, I just want you to answer, you know, my my kind of negatives about Kara Lewis. It's, it's just the size. Can he finish at the rim? And also, is he a floor general? Like, can he run a team? I, I For me personally, I love LaMelo Ball. I love the way he runs a team. But Kara Lewis, I got those questions about. So do you think Tibbs would start him out the gate? Is his weight an issue? Can he get bigger? What are, what are some of the things you think he can improve on? So the, the physical size uh, in terms of height is ideal. Um, and he obviously does need to add probably 20 to 25 pounds um, over the course of his career. I think that if he were a player who didn't have um, an elite skill uh, physically, that I'd be more concerned. But he's going mm-hmm. to start in the NBA as one of the five fastest players. And his speed is going to matter, or his speed is going to make the strength issue a little bit less important on offense because he's going to, you know, push down the floor so quickly that wings aren't really going to get it. Wings and bigs aren't going to ch- get a chance to, to chip him and get into his body. Um, on defense, he's a much better defender um, schematically. Obviously, you're going to have issues anytime you're, you know, a buck 75, buck 80 um, with uh, the Fred Van Fleets of the world. But he's a smart defender um, and he's a person who can shoot off the dribble. So there's, he offers a lot of modern ideas. Um, and if you're trying to win games right now, this might not be the pick. But if you're building towards the future with a more developmental uh, idea, which I think the Knicks are just judging based on their, uh, their scouting and player development hires. Uh, this is something that's going to, this is a building block towards the future, not just in terms of that team, but putting people in the right place so they can develop, you know, to be on that team. Right. All right. All right. So Devin Vassell, now the issues with him, people have concerns about, can he get his own shot? Um, is the athleticism really there? And the, the value of attempts from three in college can he up his volume but still maintain a good percentage, you know, 40%? Obviously, Devin Vassell improved from his freshman year to his sophomore year, I mm-hmm. believe. And, you know, Devin Vassell is obviously a great team defender, but Isaac Okoro is a better one-on-one defender and a better pick-and-roll player. So about the concerns about Devin Vassell, what would you say – to Nick fans to, you know, quell those emotions about Devin Vassell and his shot creating and stuff. I would say that you've got to separate Devin Vassell from the Florida State uh, context. Um, Florida State doesn't really let anybody create at a high level. Um, and in the games where Devin Vassell was given a little more leash, uh, the game of Virginia Tech, for example, um, I believe he made four threes yep. off the dribble, um, two of those being step backs. 
uh, and then to, uh, added in you know two more um, off different versatilities. You're getting a player who has a lot more in the bag than we're necessarily allowed to do, um, and his three point attempts are uh, are lower than you would like. But Florida State encourages players to catch if they're getting run off the line, take one dribble and take a 17 footer. So in a different system, that's not you know four attempts per 36. That's six attempts per 36 because he's taken roughly you know those two 18 footers uh, game. Yep. And so when you watch it's, it, there's not really an issue with his volume to me. Um, it's more the philosophy that he is playing in. Um, mm-hmm. His team defense is going to be so valuable. Um, for a team that wants to be competent um, than a one-on-one defender is. Because most bad defenses aren't bad because they don't have good one-on-one defenders. They're bad because five guys on the floor aren't communicating with each other and aren't operating in a cohesive system. So if you're a team that's a bad defense, you don't really need great one-on-one defenders. That's a playoff concern. What you do need is guys who know what they're doing, can execute their scheme, and have internalized the scheme so that you know basic mistakes don't happen, which is a concern that you know uh, Nick, Nick fans Oh, my goodness, man. After watching Alfred Payton this last season, brother, (laughs) man, but, um, okay, you got to me about Devin Vassell. Now, Killian Hayes, although I don't think he's going to last until eight, honestly, I think, you know, Detroit is going to pick him up or I think Chicago going to pick him up, but if he do, my question is about Killian Hayes, the 29% from three. I also have a question about him. He just hardly never uses his right hand. I have a big issue with that because I just watched Julius Randle, Mr. Spin, spin Move turnover last season, just rarely use his right hand. And RJ's a lefty as well. And RJ occupies the left side of the floor. So that's one concern. Another concern is... His passing, I know he's. I know he's a good passer, but can he create? Can he create people? Like, can he get people open with his passes? Can he look people off and get them open with his passes? I rarely seen him use his right hand to make passes, so that's another concern for me. It's it's just the overall point guard aspect was was his passing by design because the play allowed him to do it or was his passes by IQ? Like did he see it himself and he made the play himself? So those those are my concerns. What what do you have to say about Killian? So I think that the fit with RJ is a real concern. Um if there was a different head coach in charge, I would probably feel uh, more of a way about it. But I trust mm-hmm. his ability to uh, get a system where you have two pretty left handed guys, uh viable driving lanes and being able to set up double sided actions where both can drive to their left comfortably. Um, it's not unheard of. I mean, if they had hired like a Jock Vaughn, I would have a lot more, you know, uh, hesitation about it. Uh, to me, Killian is is a top tier passer. Um, a lot of it is uh, the types of passes he can make. I mean, when you watch him, you know, going left, he's capable of, you know, throwing the uh, the bounce pass. He, he can throw left handed hook pass over the top. He has good touch on on. Uh, on lobs, which is going to be essential for getting Mitch offense. There's, yes. There is a lot of versatility in his left-hand passing. You are correct about the right. He kind of only likes to throw the jump off with the right. Um, mm-hmm. I don't really see that as a deal-breaker um, because I think it's going to be pretty fixable because you have Johnny um, running your guard development. 
and Johnny's track record of getting guys to pass at a much higher level is, is real. Um, his work with the Utah guys alone is, is enough to, to, to testament to that, much less his work with Dame. Uh, For sure. The shooting, uh, he takes difficult shit. Uh, I like that's that is the bigger issue that I have because he's a you know an eighty eight percent free throw shooter, um, and the misses are on a lot of setbacks. Um, the thing that I think people make too much of a deal of is they think he's a bad athlete. Um, in the past, like three years, he's had a pretty remarkable athletic athletic development, um, going from a guy who was a straight up velo comp. To now somebody who like can get to the rim, like without much uh, difficulty against you know pretty high level comp. The next level for him is getting uh, lower body strength and uh, a little more flexibility through his ankles. He's still a lot of his blow bys are still vertical, um, and uh, depending on the the physio staff that the Knicks bring in, I think that there's a good case for Killian developing to, into like a real quick to- twitch athlete. Um, no matter how good uh, overseas physical development is, there's nothing like P3 in the NBA. So with guys like him, you just yep. got to assume that there's another level in there. And just looking at his uh, his physical development from you know the times that he's been in the States playing against guys to now, like that's a huge step. And there's a lot of reason to believe there's another step coming with things like you know uh, ankle flexibility, which is a thing that the NBA has a historically good uh, track record of sorting out quickly. Yeah. Um, all right. All right. So, Killian Hayes, Devin Vassell, Karen Lewis. I like those three picks for the Knicks. Knicks got a great developmental staff. You got Kenny Payne for the bigs. You got Johnny O'Brien for the guards. You got Tibbs as the coach. You got Mike Woodson. All right. I like what they're doing. Um, so, we got into your three favorite picks for the eighth spot. So, question. Quick question before we go into – you know, draft some draft sleepers. If you was the GM for the Knicks, would you trade up or would you trade down? And the caveat is, the caveat is, when you're trading up, you're not swap. You're basically you're not swapping picks. You're actually trading up for that pick. And the caveat for tra- trading down, you're basically trading the pick. I would trade down without any question. Um, if you are a de- developmental program and a good developmental program, which I have a lot of reason to believe the Knicks are going to become in the next three years, you want as many people in that pathway as possible. So uh, one, you know, one pick helps, but having, you know, a 15th pick, another young player, maybe another guy that you pick up in the second round uh, in, in this trade, that's going to be more helpful than just what second overall pick is going to bring you. Um, and this draft kind of has a drop off after four or five, depending on how things shake out. So the, uh, the difference between the eighth pick and the 15th pick in teams in terms of tiers isn't that dramatic. So trade down, pick up more assets, get more people for the pipeline and trust the great development staff that you fired. So you spoke about trading down and in the trade down scenario, you got to have some draft sleepers. You got to have some guys that, you know, a lot of Nick fans don't want, but Walt Perrin might just pick up. 
So three names on my radar, and this first guy, I, I, I love this guy. He's probably my favorite prospect in the draft. I've been watching him for about a month, but um, Jaden McDaniels out of Washington. This guy, 6'10", 7-foot wingspan. Um, I, I, I want to know what's your take on him, because when I watch him, it's looking like I'm watching a Rashard Lewis, you know, one of them old school R.I.P. Cliff Robinson, you know, one of those type of Rasheed Wallace, one of those type of power forwards, like a new age power forward, Pascal Siakam. What's your take on um, Jaden McDaniels? So Jaden's a guy who's kind of had an interesting, uh, he, uh, interesting pathway. He was, you know, kind of under recruited as a junior in high school, blew up to being a top 10 kid in the country. Uh, came into this draft as as a potential top five pick, and now is looking like he's probably going to be a late first. Um, mm-hmm. He the the first thing you start with with him is that he's a shooter. Like he's a real shooter. Um, I think that there's an idea that he's a three and D wing, and unfortunately, he doesn't quite have the movement skills or the like the length to get there. I think he's only like a plus three and a half, um, rather than mm-hmm. like the plus six ish that people talked about uh, when he was in high school. Uh, he's somebody who also needs a, a pretty severe physical development program. He's going to need to put on um, about 20 pounds uh, in his during his first contract to handle uh, the difficulty driving the lane and, and, and defense. Um, he played at Washington where it comes the uh, the concerns about the 2-3. Uh, plan zone is never uh, fun to watch. He's somebody who is no. a, he can make great rotations to blocks. And he gets there very quickly, but he struggled with fouling and with just making the everyday rotation. Um, I think that he is one of the guys in that late first, early second category that has the highest upside. Um, but he needs to go to a place that has a you know a slow developmental pathway to get um, to harness his shooting and, and free throw numbers uh, while giving him a little more feel and a little uh, better direction in terms of getting easy shots for himself because his, there were times where you could tell he got frustrated and he took shots that they didn't have any business happening. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've seen step back threes. I'm like, dog, you did not have to take that shot. But yeah, um Jaden McDaniels loved the guy. This next guy though, in Ty- Tyrese Maxey, I watched the interview with Mike Schmitz last night. Man, this kid, charisma, character. He doesn't talk about himself. He's talking about Nick Richards. I, I, I love a guy like that in my locker room. And, you know, I, I watched a little bit of Tyrese Maxey this season because, you know, I was really high on wing. I was really high on LaMelo Ball and Killian Hayes and guys until the lottery actually happened. Um. Tyrese Maxey, what's your take on Tyrese Maxey and, you know, the fit on this Knicks roster? Because when I look at him and I see, you know, we got Kenny Payne right now, I'm like, man, he fits with RJ. He fits with Frank Nilakina. He definitely fits with Knox, and he definitely fits with Mitch. So can Tyrese Maxey play? Are you confident he could play with the ball in his hands? That's the main thing. But what's your take on Tyrese Max? So for the people who want to get back to that, like, gritty, grimy 90s mix, like, 
guys who want the spotlight on them and uh, have a certain mentality about that, you are going to love Tyrese Maxey. Uh, he is the sort of dude to hit a big three in a game and turn to the crowd and give me the, like, I need noise motion. And every single time I watch this, <laughs> I'm just like, I, like, I don't think that there is a better wiring in terms of, like, to play professional basketball and just handle the day-in, day-out grind of it than Tyrese Maxey. And that's, like, the main uh, central pitch for me with Maxey is, that, like, this dude is born to play professional basketball. Um, I... Him playing with the ball in his hands full-time is probably a little bit dicier for me. Um, he seems like somebody who's built to be an off-ball guard. Um, the shooting numbers at Kentucky weren't great, but he has uh, a lot of EYBL sample that suggests he's a good guard uh, shooter, yep. um, which, I mean, I'm always a fan of taking the larger sample over to, you know, any college sample, especially if it's a Kentucky sample, because the history of Kentucky saying what's exactly going to happen at the, the pro level is pretty dicey. Um, yeah, Maxi is going to be a great defender um, for guards just because he, he makes good rotations. He's smart. He's a hell of a communicator. Um, and he's, he's built like a truck. Um, he can you know defend the rim realistically because he can just jump, flex, and put his arms in the air, and nobody's moving him. Uh, he you know, bumped multiple SEC starting centers out of the way uh, just with the, with the frame that he has. His passing is because he isn't necessarily quick enough to get uh, a full defense to rotate. Um, if you're more of a believer in RJ as a creator, Maxi's a perfect fit next to him. If you think that uh, RJ is more of a secondary, you could draft Maxi, um, having Maxi sort of be a third, and then you're building a very good defense that um, is going to have shooting, but next year would be a struggle. I like this as sort of a developmental idea because Maxi to me is like the perfect tips guard. Um, and next year's draft is like has 10 great wings. In it. And I don't think that, um, you know, if you're a developmental franchise, you know, one that has a longer view, you don't take a wing who's okay because you need a wing when you know, you know, you could wait a year and get a great wing. But that's true. That's definitely true. I never even thought about that. I thank you for that one. I never even thought about that. Because next year's draft, oh, my goodness. It's about, like, five number one picks. Oh, next I, year's oh draft. this kid might be more than five. <laughs> Man, I'm definitely going to get you on for that, for that episode. Because next year's draft, I've I seen this kid, not to go off topic real quick, but this kid, Jonathan Kumunga, well, I, I don't even know how to say Kuminga. his last name, but – um. Jesus Christ! Yeah, he's a he's something different, and uh, and he might not even be one of the three best kids. That's the scary part, though, because <laughs> like you can watch Kuminga oh, play and be like, "Oh my god!" and then talk to people and they're like, "Oh no, I like four guys better." You're like, "He's bad," and like, "No, that's just what we're talking about here." I seen a guard. What's his name? Jalen Shrub. Uh, Jalen Jalen Sox. Oh my goodness, man! That guy. Then you got. Then you got the the big man Soto. I think his name Kai Soto. I mean, we got we got a whole bunch more names. Like we haven't even got to the the main uh, the the big Kahuna here, which is Kate Cunningham. Oh my goodness! And then he grows the six eight. He shot forty. We get no top last year. <laughs> literally, like oh, I don't think my. I've ever seen a better high school basketball player than Kate Cunningham. Wait, so. Real quick, before we get into Patrick Williams, real quick, if you the Knicks, 
So you all in on just next year, just start kids, play them. You win more than 21 games. Kudos to you, but make sure you're getting this lottery. That that that's what I'm that's what I'm hearing. 21 games, I've failed my job. I'm making sure I get a top three pick. But there's they might be 10 deep, but I'm I'm uh, I'm sitting down with Spike. I'm sitting down with whoever I gotta sit down with and say, look, we're building. I hired great people, I hired great developmental people, and I promise you we're gonna make the playoffs. But I need a I need a blue chip star, and one of those is next year. So you're gonna have to, you know, hold on to highlights for this year. You know, just we're gonna we gonna praise those the great moments. We're gonna build the right culture, but uh there's some dogs out there next year, and we're getting rid of those dogs. Um man, imagine a team where RJK, you got Maxi, you got Frank. Anyways, let, let, you're let me. The vision now. Let me you're seeing the vision now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm seeing. I mean, this, this segues perfectly into Pat Will. I will say this has been my pitch for Pat Will the whole time. <laughs> so uh, Patrick Williams is, if you're willing mm-hmm. to take a year to develop somebody, um, Patrick Williams is the second youngest um, American in this draft. I think Mello is like three days older than him. Um, he went to Florida State. He went to Florida State because he wanted to learn how to play defense better. He's a 6'8", big wing, so, you know, sort of the same positionality that, like, Kawhi is, where, you know, he can he can shoot um, only 32% at Florida State, but I have, uh, you know, his high school and uh, UIBL numbers, and I think it's around 40, uh, 84% free throw shooter. Uh, one of the most athletic dudes in this draft. Um, just, like, uh, a, a real freak athlete. Uh, blocks and steals. Um it's sort of that midpoint between like Vassell's uh, team defense and Okoro's individual defense. Um, because he went to Florida State, he only played 22-ish minutes per game. But a person who can, you know, dribble, pass, and shoot at 6'8 with uh, plus, plus athleticism, um, mm-hmm. with, with a high feel for the game, and just incredibly coachable. One of the things that you get with feedback, same as, you know, the Maxi thing is like, this guy just wants to play. He just wants to win. He just wants to learn. Um, it's probably going to take him a, a year or two to get onto that track. Um, but he's, you know, the idea of a forward in the modern NBA is Patrick Williams. So if you were so inclined to, you know, peek around the corner in that 2021 draft and say, well, I want a guy who, you know, I can, he's a, he's a real long-term asset, but I also want to develop him, want to slow play him. Uh, I want to make sure that we get a pick, but I also want to, don't want to take, you know, a guy who, endangers that, but is also going to help me on my next playoff roster. Patrick Williams is all those worlds. because like, There's a real possibility that he is one of the five best players in this draft. <laughs> yeah, and this is one of those drafts like just like 2011, 2011 NBA draft, where the best guy is probably not in the lottery. The best guy is probably in the teams right now in this draft. So, this is kind of a scary draft. It's kind of been a scary year in general. So, yeah, man, it, it, it's crazy. But Patrick Williams, it's another guy I've been looking at as well. So, final question, then, you know, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get you out of here. Did, in this draft, there's a chance that, you know, one of these guys could fall in James Wiseman and Oneka Ogwangu. Oof, I probably butchered his name, but you know, it's a chance that one of these two can drop. And I can see a scenario where the Timberwolves take LaMelo at one. The Warriors say, okay, we're not going to take Wiseman. We're going to take Denny. And then Wiseman just keeps falling and falling. And then he's sitting there at eight. 
but you still got Vassell and all of these guys. I'm a guy who's going to take Wiseman or Onwangu. I'm probably budgeting his name again, but so what? I'll probably take either or at eight above Vassell, above Kara Lewis, just because of the talent. If one of those two fall at eight, would you take them? And do you see any of a fit for those two on this Knicks roster? So, I mean, if you're going to take uh, if you're going to take Wiseman or or Onyeka, um, you kind of have to believe that Mitch isn't it because there's not a fit with those two and Mitch. Um, Onyeka could play the four. I mean, he went to USC, which like routinely threw out three bigs. Um, it was not particularly enjoyable to watch, but uh, <laughs> it's a thing that they did. Um, so I would say that if you are a person who believes that Mitch is not a starting center on the next good Knicks team, that you could take those. I mean, this is certainly a draft that like people are going to trade up and down. Um, opinions vary all over the place. Um, I am lower on Wiseman and higher on Yekka. Um Wiseman, to me, doesn't have the scheme versatility that I look for in bigs, especially bigs um, taken later. Um, and, you know, bigs with low feel really scare me. Um, and to make matters worse, um, as much as valuable as Kenny Payne is as an asset, um, Wiseman has low feel and he missed a year of basketball, missed a year of organized basketball. And to take a player like Mitch, who had you know, somewhat similar circumstances, um, and then say, well, we're going to start this process over again just with a different guy, to me, isn't a good distribution of assets. Um, I can understand the talent play. Um, but I think that, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the, the level of teaching and development that Mitch has to go um, now that we're out of the David Fisdale era, uh, it's going to be exponential. And so instead of uh, wasting or not, instead of, you know, throwing Mitch aside and taking this process with another big, uh, it'd probably be better mm-hmm. to invest that in a wing. That said, if I had to pick between the two, I'd take Onyeka Okongwu every single day. Um, scheme versatile. You can drop him. Uh, you can hedge him. You can blitz him. Uh, he uh, makes smart reads as a passer. Uh, incredible feet. You know, strong. He's undersized. Um, but if you're going to be a team that wants to play fast or play versatile, I think that you take him over Wiseman uh, just because it doesn't disallow uh, certain coverage responsibilities. I also think that Wiseman isn't a perfect fit with Tips' drop coverage, even if you go to work on Milwaukee drop coverage, because there's not the, the physicality that uh, that Tips likes in his bigs. Um, he likes him to be a little bit you know, thicker and able to to bang more. Um, so I think Tips would lean on Yeka, but I don't know if that's the best uh, asset allocation. Oh, all right. Well, yeah, you just talked me off a ledge with that. Now I'm. <laughs> you got me thinking. Yeah, I might. I might step back away from that thing. If you if you put it that way, because I love Mitch. I just need Mitch to shoot threes. I'm I'm sick of Mitch just being a rim runner, and just I, I just need him to expand his game. But you know. I appreciate you coming on the pod today, man. I appreciate you sharing your thoughts about these various prospects. I hope I could get you on again around draft time and we could talk more and I can have more of a vision of who the Knicks want to pick. But 
Um, where can the people find you? What's the Patreon website? I want Nick Nation to know how can they contact you. Let's um, so yeah, uh, I, you can follow me on Twitter at Above the Break Three. Um, if uh, you're interested in my prospect breakdowns, uh, the the long series on wings, uh, on on big pick and roll defense, or on guards' uh, ability to create separation, all those can be found on my Patreon. Uh, the content is free. Uh, if you want to click through it, if you uh, are so grateful, you want to toss me a couple bucks that uh, helps pay for the international film and stat packages. Much appreciated. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to get keep the uh, information away from curious people. Um, thank you so much for having me on. This is a, this is a lot of fun. Uh, nah, man. Thank you, man. I appreciate you, brother. Um, I hope you have a safe and blessed day, Nick Nation. I hope y'all have a safe and blessed day. Please, everybody, wear your mask. God bless you, brother. Hope to have you on again soon. State of the New York Knicks podcast. I'm out of here. Peace.